0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today.
1: Turn to Jeremiah, chapter
0: 17,
1: verse 7 i going to read verse 7 through 10. Be some familiar portion of Scripture. You all there? Still here? some pages. Everybody have their coffee this morning? And... <laughs> Jeremiah 17, verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope, The Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitfully is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, time in your word this morning. And uh, Lord, just take me out of the way and that my words. Do your words and uh, see what you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I have been uh, in uh, my morning devotions studying 2 uh, Chronicles. And 2 Chronicles um, kind of goes over the various kings and... Um, from uh, after the death of Solomon in Judah. And um, as I'm studying this and reading through um, uh, these various kings, I can't help but think and try to understand how um, the people allowed some of the stuff to happen that happened as these various kings were uh, put into power. You know, back in judges, um, and I can't help to think, but in judges what what the Lord wanted the people to do was to have that personal relationship with him and then the various little you know tribes and little tent cities and things, would just rely on, on him and his direction uh, for their substance and for how they uh, carried out their lives. But what would happen is they'd kind of get together and uh, start worshiping other gods and the Lord would send a judge, judge them, and we know the cycle, right? Well then, um, they wanted a king. And uh, they wanted a king because all the other nations around them had kings. And so they thought it was a pretty good idea to have some earthly um, governorship or government set up here. Um, it'd be a much better idea than God's idea of, of judges and having that personal relationship. And as they set up the king and the Lord gave him a king and Samuel anointed Saul, right? Samuel warned the people about this. And what he told the people was, look it, the Lord gave you a king because you wanted a king, but I'm going to tell you what, this king is going to take things away from you. They're going to take your wives away from you. They're going to take your children away from you. They're going to take your servants away from you. They're going to take their fields away from you. You will no longer be independent. You'll be dependent upon this king because he has now uh, consolidated everything into a kingdom. So, um, I can't help but think about how these kings were able to do this and basically hoodwink wh- the people into allowing him to just take their stuff and then rule over them. And I think originally um, what was happening, there was supposed to be this kind of separation between. Um, the spiritual leadership and the government, where, where the king would just handle the government um, activities and then uh, through the hierarchy of the priests and things, uh, the spiritual. And they're not, they were not to be um, kind of messed around with. And the, the spiritual aspect of their lives was to influence the government aspect Of their lives. They were supposed to to help that. But what what happened with the kings was um, they took over. And when they didn't like what was going on with the spiritual aspect of running the kingdom, they either took these guys out, put them in prison, and then put other people in charge. You can think of Ahab and Jezebel where they just took the Lord out of it and brought these, the priests of Balaam in, and, and the people just kind went of went along with it. I think um, uh, Pastor Strofe during our revival meetings kind of talked about the, the complacency that we can get into where the world just comes in and slowly influences us and we just kind of go along with it. We become complacent. And one of the things that I think he talked about was getting back to the basics. How we need to, to maybe take a step back, and that's really what revival meetings are all about, is, is getting back to the basics. We get, as we kind of walk through life, things get complicated, and our mind gets cluttered with stuff, and... We start going in different directions, and all of a sudden, you know, we're frustrated and don't, don't know where to turn to. But really what we just need to do is step back and get back to the basics. So um, what I want to talk about, maybe over the next two um, Sessions is um, kind of the relationship of, of our government to biblical principles and how we have gotten away from the basics. Okay, you now our government was founded upon biblical principles, right? Yeah. And we've gotten away from the basics, kind of let complexity. Uh, enter in to how uh, the government influences our lives. Really, the government is supposed to really stay out of our personal lives, right? Similar way back to the time of judges. They're just supposed to take care of some basic needs and that's it. But they have just infiltrated us. They've done what Samuel warned about the kings, in that they're going to start taking stuff away from you you're no longer going to be dependent or independent upon yourselves you're going to be dependent upon him because he's going to take your stuff that's kind of what we're seeing today you know as we talk about the church and how we want to be fundamentally independent okay We don't want to be in this big conglomerate and everybody's kind of trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how to govern and and how to worship God and that type of thing. And that's how the world creeps in. But we're to be independent and fundamental. Little churches here and there with that personal relationship with God and how he rules our lives. You know, this, get, this getting back to basics, so to use maybe a football analogy, you know, a, two football teams get on the field and one's supposed to be, you know, more dominant than the other, and they just kind of have an average game and just squeak out a victory. And when you interview the coaches afterwards, he says, hey, we didn't tackle well, we didn't execute well, we didn't do this well, we didn't do that well. This week, we have to get back to the basics. And Then once they do that, they have a successful week the following week because they've gotten back to the basics So I have, uh, Honda is, you know, I'm a sales account manager, and Honda's my account at work, so I have to drive uh, about three hours every time I go down there, and I go down there maybe three times a month. There in Marysville, Ohio, Corsair knows about that. He's got a few grandkids down there that he visits every now and then. But I go down there and, and talk to them, and usually what I what I do is about uh, Bowling Green, I stop at uh, Starbucks and get loaded up with some caffeine and get down there. And the same thing happens on the way back. Get a little caffeine in me so I, you know, can stay awake. And, uh, you know, we usually have to have something to eat. And it's usually kind of food that's, you know, loaded up with salt and that kind of thing. And I think it was last Wednesday night, I, I got home. Man, I wasn't feeling the best. That was maybe a week and a half ago. I wasn't feeling the best. And uh, my wife goes, and it was right before church, and yeah, I didn't feel well, so I was, was going to lay down. She goes, let me take your blood pressure. I'm like, oh, okay. So she takes my blood pressure. It was like 202 over 80-something. And um, so I uh, checked it about 15 minutes later. It was like, hundred seventy-eight but still not good so um, and I and I have to go to for an exam the 22nd of, is it 22nd of October a physical I have to do that once a year for my insurance to get a discount and so <clears throat> I'm thinking to myself okay you know what do I got to do And the next and I know it was the next morning or Friday morning my wife comes in and she says, you know, you got to cut out the salt, you know, all that caffeine, um, you know, processed foods, fast foods, and, um, you know, all that stuff that we all know isn't good for us, right? And what she was telling me was, man, you got to get back to the basics. You got to get back to the basics. So this past week, I, you know, I got up early in the morning, I, I usually get up at five, but Changed my routine a little bit. Went down to do the treadmill. and uh, You know, been watching what I've eaten. And by the end of this week, so I was checking my blood pressure every morning. By the end of this week, it was like 130 over 70 or 78, something like that. So it's, you know, it's, and it just took a week, right? It just took a week. But I had to get back to the basics and understand that, you know, doing these things is health, is healthy, and sometimes we have to do that from a spiritual standpoint, and even as we step back and look how our government is functioning today, we as a people have to step back and get back to the basics, because I think we've allowed some complexity uh, into it and and influences um, into our government to um, change things and complicate things and allow the government to just you know, infiltrate our lives. I don't know if we'll ever if we'll get away from it, but at least we can understand what's going on, stand up in the face of it, and at least you know, be, be that light on the mountain or on the hill um, to others. Because what Revelation tells us, things are going to get wax worse and worse over time, right? Until Christ comes. So what I'd like to maybe touch on this morning, with the time we have left, is kind of discuss, again, I'm going to get down to some basic stuff here. Okay, Stuff that some of you probably say, well, God, I know that. You know, and some of you may say, hmm, gee, I didn't really, really realize that this is what's going on. So we're going to talk a little bit about our our form of a government and a connection to the Bible. And if I was going to go into detail, this would take, you know, several weeks and months to go into. So we're just going to scratch the surface a little bit on this topic and um, we may not, we, we won't get into it today, but I also want to talk about this concept or this philosophy of progressivism, okay? Progressivism. Hillary Clinton says she's a progressive, okay? A lot of these guys right now running or aspiring to be the president in the Democratic Party all say they're progressives. It's a new term because they throw out these these terms all the time that sound pretty good. Progressive, right? Progress, move forward. Sounds pretty good, huh? Well, I'll tell you what. Our God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and in the future. And we need to get back to the basics to understand that, to be able to be lights on that hill, lights in this community. We've got to get back to the basics so that we can share this with others. You know, what's going on politically sometimes, everybody's got a position. It's a great way to lead into the gospel. If you're aware and understand and can make the connections. But we have to get back to the basics. This progressivism is just another ism for all these other ones that we'll get into a little bit. But it's corrupting what our government was originally set up on biblical foundations. It's a corruption. And they're talking about you know, the, uh, changing the Constitution for this, uh, the, electrical co- the Electoral College, eliminating it to have... Well, we'll talk about that in a second. So it's amazing how the Founding Fathers designed our government and the methods by which it should function. Certain their reliance upon the Lord and His wisdom was the basis and the inspiration behind what they saw as solid structure for the formation of our government. As you know, and we've talked about this many times, and maybe we don't quite understand the background behind it, and I'll just, again, scratch on the surface, but as you know, our government is classified as a constitutional republic as opposed to what is called a unitary republic, or a confederated republic. So what's a unitary republic? A unitary republic is a system in which they have this legislative parliament, okay? And a bunch of people get together and they kind of rule the country. England is a unitary republic but they do have this connection to the monarchy that kind of of has their thumb on things. The other one is what's called a confederated republic. And it's a governing system in which each state retains its independence and sovereign supremacy but confederates with other states for mutual defense or certain other advantages. Um, Germany, most of the mainland uh, countries in Europe are set up as a confederated republic. And we as a constitutional republic have um, kind of a combination of these two. John Madison said we may define a republic to be a government which derives all its powers directly or indirectly from the great body of the people and is administered by persons holding their offices during pleasure for a limited period or during good behavior is essential to such a government that it be derived from the great body of the society, not from an inconsiderable proportion or a favored class of it. Otherwise, a handful of tyrannical nobles exercising their oppressions by a delegation of their powers might aspire to the rank of re- of republicans and claim for their government the honorable title of a republic so what we have is what he's trying to explain here is that we have a government in which we elect people to represent us okay as a governing body. We don't directly have, have, uh, have, uh, have the time, right, to govern, so we elect people to, to govern. But the way they govern is based on how the Constitution has been written. So this was kind of a new concept when they brought this all together called a constitutional Republic. Why not call it democracy? Well, democracy, um, and a lot of people call us a democracy. Even in schools, it's taught that we are a democracy. Madison wrote, "Democracies have never been spect have." Ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. Theoretic politicians who have patronized this species of government have erroneously supposed that by reducing mankind to a perfect equality in their political rights, They would at the same time be perfectly equalized and assimilated in their possessions, their opinions, and their passions. And then there was a a historian, Alexander Tyler, kind of broke it down into more understandable. He says that democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until a majority of voters discover they can vote themselves gifts from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits from public treasury, with the result that a democracy always collapses over loose physical policy, taxing and spending, always followed by a dictatorship. The average life of a world's greatest civilizations have been 200 years. So a democracy, once in, I consider democracy, mob rule. okay. Democracy when the majority get together and then they lay out plans. And like Tyler said, what happens is they think that okay, whatever the government has to offer, we all need to take advantage of it. And you think of socialism, right? You think of socialism. And we're going to talk about, again, progressive-ism probably next next week and how it relates to um, verse 9 of Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay? Who can know it? And that was the guiding verse that the founding fathers used to create our government. You know, Moses, when he was... Uh, leading uh, the Israelites through the desert, do you think he liked the fact that possibly he was running a democracy where they were all telling him what to do? I'm sure he had something to say about that. So how did we get to the form of government that we have in this constitutional republic? If you turn to Isaiah 33, and this should be something that's, uh, I'm laying the groundwork for what I want to talk about next time. Isaiah 33 says, starting at verse 21, But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams. Wherein shall go no galley with oars. Nor shall gallant ships pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our Lawgiver, The Lord is our king. He will save us. So. In verse 21, he's talking about, Isaiah's referencing Jerusalem as a place of refuge of broad rivers and streams. Usually most cities back in Bible times were built on rivers or near uh, deltas uh, in countries like, um, say, Babylon, right? That was built on the Tigris and Euphrates River. Okay, uh, Nineveh was built on a river. Most of the cities of Asia Minor spoken in the book of Revelation were all built on rivers or little uh, harbors uh, in, in Greece. That offered some protection from uh, anybody trying to take over because they had to cross these rivers to get to the city, right? The rivers also offered nourishment for farming, and you can't live without water very long. My daughter's finding that out. They've been without water for three days down in Mexico. And uh, so keep them in in your prayers. Uh, Gabrielle is getting sick. So water was was is a substance that we can't live without, but it also offered protection. Well, the thing about Jerusalem was, was Jerusalem built on a river? No. Jerusalem was built up on a, on a big uh, mountaintop, basically. A plateau with nothing but uh, um, kind of desert around it, Okay. So he's referencing Jerusalem as being a mountain with nothing but rocks or as a a mountain with broad river or as a city with broad rivers and streams. Okay? That's because what he's trying to say is God is like these cities with the rivers built around them or at the deltas. God is is that refuge where broad rivers and streams wrap around it? He is their protection and he is their substance. But you couldn't come to that realization. It's kind of relate that to our lives, in that when we get saved, before we get saved, life looks like this dry existence. Okay? that the world influences us, and we have to keep up with the world, okay? But once we get saved, the blinders come off, and we see that the Holy Spirit, when he indwells in us, okay, we got this protection, these broad streams and rivers around us that God provides and provides us the spiritual nourishment by which we can please him. You can't do it living in the world. So then it it goes on to say, again, this is probably going into our founding father's mind. Hey, and most of these guys were were saved. That God has to be that Refuge of broad rivers and streams, and how do we set it up? The next verse tells us the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So, what they did was they set up a government with lawgiving capabilities, which is our legislature, which is our Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. And today, the mainstream media (laughs) seems to become part of that legislative branch. The law-giving part. The Lord is our judge. We have a judicial system. The Supreme Court with chief justices and eight justices. And their responsibility is to interpret the laws. And then... We have the executive branch or the kingship that's supposed to carry out the laws and enforce them with the president, the vice president, the cabinet, and all the employees of, of the government. I think there's like five million. Amazing. But this tri- triangle of the government that are finding fathers Set up was based on the fact that the Lord is our judge, lawgiver, and king. But the problem is, we don't have anybody, we don't have the Lord down here, and we can't have one man responsible for all these things. So the way they set up the Constitution was checks and balances and reciprocal checks and balances. So not one part, whether it be the legislative, the Congress, the executive, the president, or the judicial system, has all the power. As Congress makes the laws, the president has the authority to approve them or reject them, but then Congress has the power to override that. Okay, And then The Supreme Court then interprets those as at times they're challenged. And all these checks and balances based on this portion of scripture. So they they developed these branches of government as separation of powers and reciprocal checks and balances. So we can kind of bring that down to us, back to the basics, okay? Do we, in our lives, aspire to have these checks and balances in our life, whose head is Jesus Christ? Are the laws that we govern our lives, are they developed and we agree with Jesus Christ. And when we stray, do we allow the Lord to judge us and give us direction? Do we allow the Lord to be king in our life? To enforce those laws so that we can please him have we incorporated these checks and balances in our personal life? And until we can understand that, we can't, we can't actively take a role in, <clears throat> in being that light to the current government that's ruling over us. So next week, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But we gotta bring this down to a personal level and understand where we're at in our relationship with Jesus Christ and do the people we put in office have that same checks and balances in their life let's pray